Do you know a woman who is driving positive change, growth, or innovation in her organization or community? The second annual Success Women of Influence Awards are underway. So whether a friend, a family member, or peer, give the recognition she deserves. The Success Women of Influence Awards honor, celebrate, and empower the extraordinary women whose contributions have impacted their industries and their communities, and the personal and professional lives of those in their world. Visit success.com slash W-O-I to nominate the women of influence in your life today. If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hello, beautiful human, and welcome to another episode of In the Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen, and today my guest is Amy Wong. She's the founder of Always on Purpose. She's an executive leadership coach, author, speaker, and facilitator. Amy offers transformative leadership development and cutting-edge communication strategies to executives and corporate teams around the world. As a conversational intelligence certified executive coach, Amy has been a catalyst for transformative growth for hundreds of executives and their teams. She has a passion for helping leaders identify blind spots, reclaim precious time, energy, and creative bandwidth, and create next level impact. Amy is also the author of the book, Living on Purpose, which has won some awards, and I'm pretty sure you are going to want that on your bookshelf. So let's get in the details with Amy. Amy, welcome. Oh, Karen, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Before we even hit record, we were like, oh my goodness, we are definitely a part of the same tribe. I am so (laughs) grateful that our orbits have crossed because this is going to be, I feel like a gem packed conversation. So listener, also, before we get started, grab your notebook, wherever you take notes, you already know that's what we do here. Get ready to take some good notes because Amy might just transform your life in the next 30 minutes. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. I'm excited. (laughs) Now I am curious, how did you get into this line of work? Give us a little bit of the backstory and the journey that brought you to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. I've been coaching really since 2010. And so over a decade now, definitely didn't think I would be doing this work back in the day. I actually studied math at UC Berkeley, ended up, you know, very technical, was at Sun Microsystems for 10 years. And what was what was interesting is it was right around the time of my the birth of my son who is now going to be 15 next week oh, I, I know it goes by so fast yeah. i uh, i really had a wake up call and when i looked back on my life i realized that that i really wasn't attending to all of me and when i looked back in my life i saw that that the 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 thread that wound through everything that i was passionate about everything that i was doing is i was so passion. I've always been so passionate about the really big questions, consciousness studies, I mean, anything having to do with existence, and, you know, love quantum physics, love higher math, all of these things. And what I realized was like, gosh, you know, I, I, I am so about the search for truth. And what I also saw in my journey from high school up until this point, my son was born was like, I, Everything I'd ever been doing is it had to do with facilitating and teaching. You know, looking back, I was I was teaching math through high school and college and teaching music. And what I realized, like, my gosh, you know what I love? I love not so much the transmission of the information, but I love 
really partnering with someone and listening for what it is they don't know that they don't know. Mm. That's getting them stuck. And I'm really good at that. And I had seen that all throughout all my roles at Sun Microsystems, that was kind of my, that was, I was always leaning in that direction. And mm. so was really waking up to just this truth that there was a whole part of me that wasn't realized. And so I had this breakdown moment and, you know, I, I, I'm, I know I'm not the only mother, maybe you even experienced this yourself. You know, after you have your first child, it is a wild awakening where all of a sudden, you're like, oh my gosh, my world actually isn't here revolving around me. It's now revolving around this amazing being. And it forces you to take a good hard look at your priorities and your values and, and actually who you really are. And what it forced me to see was, oh my gosh, I don't think I know who I am. Because I was confronted with, do I go back to work? And I couldn't say yes. Mm -hmm. And what killed me was I'd worked all my life so hard to get to this point, to be so successful at this point. And then to not go back, I went, wait a minute, hold on. If, if I'm not my job and I'm not this and well, I'm not, I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty, it was challenging. And I know it doesn't sound like much, but the, the mental torment of, just not knowing self mm-hmm. and feeling so lost mm-hmm. was it was pretty it was it was pretty significant and mm-hmm. so in this breakthrough i had a breakdown i had a breakthrough mm-hmm. and what hit me so powerfully and what i teach a lot of people now is that we most of us are going about life all wrong mm-hmm. so i was hit with this wild epiphany it was in my closet of all places. And oh my gosh, I, are you kidding me? Closet <laughs> is actually a great place for those breakthroughs to happen. <laughs> I know, right? Well, what happened was I, I, you know, it was just I was at my lowest low, and I, I really said I had to tell my amazing boss that I wasn't coming back, who I just loved and adored so much, and but I couldn't really tell her why, other than yeah, I want to be home with my son at this period of time. I knew I wasn't meant to be a stay-at-home mom, but yeah, I just couldn't. Anyway, lowest of lows. And I was in my closet and I was, I was just so lost. And I threw my hands to the side and I looked up at the ceiling and I said, I give up. You show me the way. And I honestly, Karen, I have no idea who I was talking to, to because I'm not religious in that way, but I just, you show me the way. And all of a sudden I was hit with this almost electric sensation. And all of a sudden, it was like I heard, but I didn't hear, but I heard the, the the words, Amy, you are going about this all wrong. It's not about figuring it out. It's about feeling it out. Mm. Your job is to feel it out. And what that meant and what I got on every level of my being was this. Everything we want in life, everything we think we want, all the goals we set, all the aspirations we have, the vision boards, all that stuff. We don't want it for the thing. Mm-hmm. We want it because we think it's going to make us feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. So what we really want is a feeling. And we use the thing as a proxy. We use the thing as this medium to get us to a feeling state. But none of us have been trained or taught how to bring into the equation the fee- the desired feeling state. So what happens without that awareness, we often run chasing the things, strategizing our way to the things that we think we should be doing that oftentimes completely contradict what we actually want to feel. And so we end up in these situations where our lives are, 
either decent or really great on paper, but we're in, we're miserable inside. We still feel the hollowness. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and then we feel bad about that. Right. We're like, wait, I should be really happy. Mm-hmm. But why do I feel so empty? Mm-hmm. And it's not because we've, we're inherently wrong or broken or it's simply because we haven't asked the real question. What do I want to feel? Not so much. What do I want to do? Mm. What do I want to achieve? So anyway, that set me on the path. I woke up and I, I kid you not that from that moment forward, I committed. And to this day, I am so dedicated to what I'm about to say. I only operate off inspiration. Yeah. Meaning if it doesn't feel like a big hell, yes, I'm not going to do it. Yes. I have to. And I only will move in the direction of what feels expansive versus constrictive. And so as a result of that, very quickly, my path shifted tremendously. I found myself, oh, I want to, I need to start reading my physics books again. And then that led me to this field called transpersonal psychology. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? I must study it. And so I got my master's in that, which led to coaching. Oh my gosh, what is this? And when I found this field, or I guess it found me, I was like, oh my gosh, everything I've ever done in my life is, has led me here. I mm-hmm. get it. So the blending of math and, and transpersonal psychology has, is just, it's perfect for That's your this. happy space. Mm-hmm. And here we are now it's, you know, 2023 and I feel like I live a miracle every day and oh, it really, I'm- it all hinges upon feeling it out not figuring it out. That is so true. And honestly, that's a gem right there is noticing the way that your body responds to the information that you're trying to process or what you're seeking out. Mm -hmm. And so I've actually had conversations with previous guests, but like most often with my best friend, we talk about this a lot (laughs) (laughs) because we have gone through this journey of healing through things that have tainted the way that we live through life. Also unlearning different things that didn't serve, that don't serve us where we are now. And then of course, adopting new habits and new practices and techniques and so on and so forth. And one of the things that we found early on in this healing and growth journey was the fact that we are not taught how to tune into our body Mm -hmm. because our nervous system is sending signals and the hormones that are being you know, push through from our brain and through our body is like, they also send different signals. And so instead, as you just mentioned, we look for all of these external factors and, or we train ourselves to just push through and say, yes, and everybody is different, but in some regard, we have all done that. And what we really need to do is tune into exactly what you're saying. It's like, how do I feel about this? Because that's giving me some sort of kind of like our check engine light on the car. Mm-hmm. It's giving me some sort of warning signal of a yes or a no. But I, I, I say that because the more I have become attuned with the way my body responds to things, the more I live in alignment. And that right there is the, is the sweet spot, which can, can kind of be a little tricky as you're figuring it out. Is there anything since that moment that you've done to continue to cultivate this connection with your inner guide and, you know, with the sensations that you notice in your body, how do you kind of fine tune that? Mm, I love that question so much because that, that is the million dollar question, because if we can really harness this ability to sense into, read and honor the wisdom our body is offering, then we are living in that sweet spot. That is alignment. Mm -hmm. In my case, you know, I've really thought about it and felt into this kind of thinking about the, some universal principles. So what I have 
come to learn is that the universe is expanding by virtue mm-hmm. of expansion and contraction, right? So there is this phenomenon that all of existence goes through. There's duality. There is, that's just what our plane of existence is predicated on, this plane of this duality and, and this expansion, contraction, expansion, contraction, right? So universe is expanding like this, out and in and out and in and out. And then when you think about humans, like we breathe out and in, out and in, birth, it's, you know, out and in, right? then mm-hmm. birth and death. And then we've got all aspects of existence. Mm-hmm. There is an expansion and a contraction. Mm-hmm. And so if I think about it that way, then I have to realize that then there's, it's either going to be an expanded feeling or a contracted feeling. Right. And this expanded feeling is something I'm going to want to honor as, okay, I'm going to go forth if I'm, I'm feeling this versus this constricted feeling. Now mm-hmm. for me, what I'm feeling for is kind of a locus of energy, kind of lower in my body. Mm-hmm. So usually in my chest or in my stomach, and it's feeling open, it's feeling expansive, it's feeling energetic, it's feeling alive with energy. That's a really good sign that that is, a, that is an expansion. That's a yes. That's like, okay, this is inspiration speaking to me right now. Mm-hmm. But if I'm feeling constricted, like if, if, <laughs> if somebody presents an option or an idea or something comes across my desk where it's like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Now, here's the difference. It sounds like a good idea. That's up here in my head. Sounds. Those are words. I'm figuring it out versus it feels like a good idea. That's a good signature. Like that's a good sign. So I even notice how I'm talking about it. Like, oh, that seems to make sense. Okay. That's figuring it out. That is usually a constriction. That's usually a constriction contracted mm-hmm. thought like oh that that makes sense that's a good idea that mm-hmm. seems logical yeah I think that that'll would work. follow I think yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> it sounds good to me mm-hmm. now all of that not to say that that does mean that it's constriction mm-hmm. but I do honor the fact that that's all very figured out versus mm-hmm. this feels amazing oh I can't wait to oh I must I that feeling of oh it's 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 richer it's deeper mm-hmm. that's going to be lower in my body the the constricted stuff if I feel a lot of energy in my head hundred mm-hmm. percent I'm figuring it out mm-hmm. and if and so for me what I'm constantly se- assessing for is am I figuring this out or am I feeling this out mm-hmm. not to demonize figuring it out sometimes mm-hmm. you know that's it's that's fine mm-hmm. but it's really it's for the big decisions yeah it's for these these big moves that you want to make because for example if I'm trying to decide what I'm gonna eat for lunch. I mean, I don't necessarily need to feel that out. Figuring Let me it out is feel fine. into this <laughs> yeah. you know, chicken salad. Do I salad really or- <laughs> want this burrito, or do I really? You know, it's but it's it's the bigger stuff, and so I'm I'm sensing for what am I saying? Mm-hmm. Where is it in my body? Is it up in my head, or is it lower in my body? Mm-hmm. And does it just does it feel tight? Does it feel frenetic? Does it feel constricted? If it is, that's a sign. Okay, probably not going to listen to that one versus spacious, bigger, there's more, there's, there's just energy there. Now I I'm continually getting better at this and I've had so many times. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I've had so many times I've been presented with an incredible dilemma, which is really hard. And my head is dying to convince me that I'm feeling it out. Oh, you really want to, yep, yep. No, you're feeling this out. This is such a good idea. You're feeling, yes, yes. Your body is telling you, yes, yes, yes. And I will go forth and man, will it bite me in the butt? And then I'm right. like, okay, got some data. Good. <laughs> and, you know, we were talking about growth mindset. So I'm like, cool, just going to iterate, throw it back into the system. I'm just going to get better at this as I go. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, it's a constant process of improvement mm-hmm. where 
I won't know it in, in the moment. It's in retrospect. <laughs> mm, right, right, right. Exactly. Usually is. Usually is. Yeah. yeah. I hope you're enjoying this conversation as much as I am. But before we dive deeper, we're going to hear from one of our partners, and then we'll pick right back up where we left off. Are you ready to supercharge your life and get access to more opportunities than you've ever dreamed of? Then join me, James Whitaker, in the Win the Day Accelerator. Presented by Success, this entire eight-part program has been created to help you activate your winning life once and for all. You'll gain clarity on your goals and purpose. You'll learn how to quickly overcome challenges and you'll get proven tips and frameworks that will deliver you big results fast in all areas of your life. So if you're ready to win, join me in the Win the Day Accelerator. To sign up, visit success.com slash WTD. So this is a practice that I teach my clients is to journal those moments. So to journal when your intuition was right and to journal when you didn't listen to it and what was the outcome. And just by having those data points, you see how powerful listening to that intuition is. And again, this comes across, it depends on the way that you nurture it. It is going to come up through various ways. You like, I should say you'll experience it in various ways, but what I have found is the commonality is certainly the feeling and also with it being down in our gut. Mm -hmm. And, and we know this to be true, even if we hadn't been taught because you've heard the saying, Oh, my stomach is in knots. Mm-hmm. Well, what is that telling you? Mm-hmm. It's telling you that it doesn't feel good. It's you're again, what you're saying, Amy, it's restricting, like you can feel the friction in there. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to spend a little bit of time there is because your work very much like mine is how can we help you through different techniques and how can we help you to start to develop these skills that will help you to achieve flow, right? Mm. And so I would love if you could just tell us a little more about that uh, transpersonal psychology, design thinking, you know, the interpersonal neurobiology, all of these disciplines that you've kind of pulled from and you combine them to create what looks like a very cohesive approach to achieving flow. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh my gosh. Well, I love that. I love you took it here because that really is what we want is flow. That's what we're all seeking. And many of us don't think about it that way, but that's, it's such a juicy desired state we're all going for because so Mm. much magic, so much inspiration, so many great ideas, so much can happen Mm -hmm. in that state of flow. And so the best way, a couple things. So I have found that piggybacking off this bigger topic of feeling it out versus figuring it out. That's one of the first steps, right? Because mm-hmm. flow really is going to be based in inspiration. Flow is going to be something that's going to be positive instead of constricted. That Those are going to be the contributors to that state of flow. And so being able to feel it out versus figure it out does require you working on heightened sensitivity of how you feel. Yeah. And that, that is a muscle. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That is a skill. And you know, a lot of folks say, that's really hard for me. I don't know what I feel. I'm not, I don't know how to do this. Everything's up in my head. I don't know what my body's feeling. And so, you know, there are many ways to begin to heighten that sensitivity. And I say, you know, we could dive into that in a whole other way, but heightening that sensitivity meditation is, is fabulous. I was going to say, can you give an example? Yeah. Yeah. So mindfulness meditation is a fabulous way of heightening our own Mm self-awareness and naturally what comes with that is our ability to start to sense things that we wouldn't otherwise be able to sense. I do have on, I have a practice on my website that I offer for free. It's a text-based 
practice that if you, you know, if you send me a text, you essentially sign up. And what I do is I send you randomly either twice a week or once a day, a text that hits you in the middle of the day. And in that moment, it'll say, check in with yourself right now. What are you feeling? Mm. And in that moment, you know, I offer a scale that's really specific, you know, is it positive or negative? And then depending on if you're positive or negative, what, what's the gradient that of emotion you may be feeling? And so it's, it's inviting you to really examine, identify, name. And if you do this on a regular basis, you'll find that you're going to start to notice shifts on you know, just more often in your day to day. And that's what's required. And so I always invite folks, you know, when it comes to flow, I say, first, you have to just decide you're intolerant of feeling crappy, just straight up, because not to say I'm demonizing negative emotions, I'm not demonizing negative emotions, but self-imposed misery by virtue of our focus Mm -hmm. is unnecessary. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to illuminate here, because that's what gets in the way of flow. that's what gets in the way of flow. And so this is such a big, lovely conversation. And I'll just say, I talk about flow through the lens of resistance because that's something all of us are usually unknowingly sustaining. So -hmm. I'll just break it down for you if if this is helpful. So let's imagine that every single emotion you could ever feel is on a vertical scale. And here's neutral in the middle of this scale and everything below neutral right? All these are all the negative emotions, everything above neutral, all the positive emotions. Now, everything below neutral, every single negative emotion is caused by one thing. And when you really get this, oh my gosh, Karen, it's, it can be a game changer. So everything, everything, and I'm talking everything for as mild as confusion, all the way down to revenge, all the way down to depths of despair. All of it is caused by this. You in your current reality, here in your now moment, as soon as you resist what is, you push against reality. As soon as you push against what is, you resist what is, boom, you drop below neutral. And to the degree that you push is to the degree that you're negative. Mm. And I really, I mean, this is big because a lot of folks are like, no, negativity is born in the system. It's the traffic. It's commuter traffic. That's what causes negativity. Like, No, it's your relationship to the traffic. You know, how many times it's just every, it's your relationship to the stuff that determines if you're above or below neutral line. Mm -hmm. And that's just how this works. We do it in the present moment, right? So that might be, I just vacuumed. And then my dog comes walking by and then all of a sudden there's dog hair again. And I'm like, yeah, frustration, that frustration, I'm just pushing against, right? We push against the future state, which is anxiety. I mean, imagine future states and push against it. That's anxiety. Mm -hmm. If I imagine my past and, and rehash the past, I'm just pushing against the past. All of it's all pushing against. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason this is relevant with flow is because think about resistance. Mm -hmm. This is jamming up resources. Mm-hmm. And in my definition of flow, what essentially what we're doing is we are releasing all the resistance we are sustaining mm-hmm. consciously and unconsciously. And in that spaciousness of res- releasing all that resistance, then it's just natural that all of your resources are going to flow from an untriggered prefrontal cortex, survival brain, quiet, one unimpeded direction out to the connected world, which allows for us to see brilliant ideas, bring them together, to innovate, to create, to imagine, to empathize. Mm -hmm. And so this, I mean, 
it's a, it's a somewhat very logical objective framework to think about how we can create more flow for ourselves. And really what this comes down to is one, recognizing just how much we resist, how mm-hmm. it is that we resist, how it is that we do it in the way we speak, in the way that we think, in the way that we just entertain ideas, mm-hmm. and then learning how to let that go. And in the space of that, mm-hmm. I mean, not only do you float above neutral, mm-hmm. you create so much more. Exactly. That's the whole point of expans- expanding, right? 100%. expansive thinking, which is everything that I talk about with growth mindset that we talk about in this growth. You know, when you were saying that I had this flash, literally a flash of the moment when I stopped resisting after everything in my life had changed. And I'm not, I'm not sure if I actually shared this on the show before, whatever, I'll share it again. But this idea of accepting life as it is, is very difficult, especially if you have to accept anything that's hard, you know, any setbacks that have come across your, your path, bad hand of cards, they say. Right. And so as you were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, that was when I shifted into neutral. I didn't get to a positive state, but I was able to bring myself into neutral because when my husband was killed, all I kept thinking about first was how he died because the way he died was very violent. Obviously that doesn't sit well with anybody, but I kept thinking about how this isn't what we planned. By the way, Amy, I'm a recovering perfectionist. My audience does know that. (laughs) And my perfectionism tendencies were in full swing 10 years ago, but it was more so of the idea of aiming for perfection was to minimize pain or to minimize any other you know, troubles that could come away. It was really trying to cultivate like this protected, calm, peaceful place. So when all of a sudden I become a widow and I have to deal with this tragedy and other things that were unfolding as all of that happened, what I had to really wrestle with was acceptance. And I couldn't because in my mind, acceptance means that it's okay. Well, it is, you know, it is what it is. Like it's, it's all right. I mean, it is. And that didn't feel right. So what I recognized was the resistance was there because I kept thinking about if he were only here, if he were only here, if that didn't happen. Right. And I could not do anything to bring him back. And I definitely had my moments where I was yelling up to God and I was talking to the universe and saying, what kind of shit is this? I don't understand why is this happening. And I'm all sorts of upset, but realizing that nobody is being brought back from the debt. So if that's the reality, right, I'm literally having conversations in my head, like talking myself through this to bring myself into a better state, not knowing what that state would be, just knowing that I was miserable and suffering. And so I changed the way that I interact with acceptance. I changed my view on acceptance. And instead of accepting something and and saying like, it's just, or it's right, acceptance now means I've acknowledged my starting point, yeah, which brought me into neutral, yeah, which helped me to not resist the reality that I was living in because I was imagining if something else had happened, if this, if, if I, if we had known, if we, all of this, and I couldn't, honestly, Amy, I could not be in a positive state. But what you just helped me to understand and to connect this dot was the best thing that I could do on that scale 
was to bring myself into neutral. And then once I got into neutral, everything else with intention, right? Because that's how I started yes. this whole journey with intention could at least start to move me up the scale a little bit, <laughs> a little. Yes. but at the, the first thing I needed to do through okay. acceptance and just acknowledging my starting point, which is a whole thing in the book. It's a whole section in the book. I needed to get into neutral. Oh. And Amy, I think it's very profound the way that you just explained that. And I know that's going to help so many people because positive thinking can very quickly slip into toxic positivity. Yep. And that is absolutely not what I preach. Yep. <laughs> this is not yeah. what we're teaching. That's right. But but the reality is nothing good comes from being in a negative place. Right. Oh, thank you so much for sharing. And I just, there's so much, oh, there's just so much beauty and, and so much to, to unpack, unpack here and I'll just, and I'll, and I'll share, I'll share this, you know, it's what you just illuminated getting to neutral is one of the most powerful and fundamental things that we can do when we find ourselves in chronic resistance. And that is the first step, but what that requires is just recognizing that this is reality. And that we are, do we have the ability to change reality? Most often we don't. And it's just looking very objectively, very compassionately at the fact that this is what is, mm -hmm. this is what is. And then I have found that when you add to it, this other layer that can be at first a little, a little tricky for folks to take on, but then they get it. We add on another layer, which is Look, the only way, the only reason we we sustain misery is because we hold on to these ideas that there is a way things should be. Mm. And so in the bigger conversation that I have around this, and I definitely dive into this in chapter four in my book, it's everybody's favorite chapter. It's titled, I Should You Not. <laughs> <laughs> I already love it. <laughs> I was so tickled with myself when I came up with that title. <laughs> but should is, I think, the most insidious and, and the worst word in the English language because Here's what it is. A lot of people get, oh yeah, it makes me feel bad. But what they don't realize is it is the ultimate indicator of resistance mm. and should implies that there's some fixed reality outside of ourselves that we have to measure ourselves to in order to live the good life. But that doesn't exist mm. at all. Mm. There is no way things should be. And there's can, only the way they there's are. Just, they are exactly. And some people are like, well, hold on. Wait a minute. <sighs> like. And I'm like, well, we honestly, if you really want to dive into it, we know nothing about existence. Right. I mean, I don't even know if you're, if you exist, Karen. I mean, you're in my perception. My senses pick up on sense data to tell me you're real. And I, I like to think that you're real, but do I experience you directly? Can I say for certain that you are? No, the only thing I can say for certain is I exist. Everything else is an agreement. Mm. So it's oh, not yeah. that we should or shouldn't drive on the right or left side of the road. Mm -hmm. It's not that we should or shouldn't have our educational system such that we start at five and end at 18. It's not that we should or shouldn't. It's just that we agree to. And yes. we have agreements, but we we hold ourselves underwater by through this false premise that there's a way things should be. So when you wake up to this very freeing reality, wait, there is no way things should be. There's the way I want them which is different from the way I should be because essentially the way I want them, that's creative. So I'm going to tell you, I, I'm going to guarantee you, you got yourself to neutral. And then in that spacious place, you were able to shift your focus in a direction of what you wanted to create. Yes. And then you created it. Now should, if we use should, here's what's going on. What's more in our awareness is avoiding negative consequences. 
Right. And so what we're doing, so let's say if I say I should go to the gym, I've tricked myself into thinking I'm moving in the direction of my intention, being healthy, flexible, strong, lean. But let's be clear. If I say I should go to the gym, what I'm really thinking is, oh my God, my jeans are fat and I don't like this. And I got to, right. And so what we'll do is we, we push away negative consequences and we're focused on avoiding the things we don't want if we're using should more than focusing on what we do want. Mm. And so, and that right there, if we're pushing away what we don't want, we keep ourselves below neutral. We mm. eat up our resources. We squeeze ourselves from flow yeah. and it just doesn't work. So yes. that's, I can hear that that's what, what happened for you. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I, okay, I'm just going to get to this place where I'm going to let go of this idea that there's a way it should be right now. Yeah. And in that space you could create. Exactly. The expansive space, the expansive space. And you know, shoulds get in the way and they are formed through a lot of things. I hear you saying agreements, which tells me that you read the four agreements, which is one of the most transformational books ever. I'm like, I can't wait. I've started to tell my son a little bit here and there and he's picking up on it, but I'm like, this will be in your library. It's so, so good. But but you are right about uh, the shoulds because they also come from societal expectations. For example, you should get married. You should have kids. You should, you know, whatever that looks like, but they also get in the way at work. Oh, and yeah. I think the shoulds are formulated a lot by not just how we think work should go. And that could come from one leader or it can come from really the culture of the organization. And that then infiltrates the rest of their, their people, or it comes from the way that we used to work. Mm-hmm. And so we should be doing it that way because we used to do it that way, or this is what we see other people doing. So when you're working with executives or when you're working with teams, how do you help them start to strip away the shoulds and get really into this more expansive way of doing work? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So to best explain this, let me let me take this model we're talking about. Here's the vertical scale. It's it's vertical, right? So positive emotion on the top, negative emotion on the bottom. Let's fit, flip it on its axis, okay? So now let's imagine that everything that you want in the world is to the left side of you, right? As I'm showing you this model. Mm-hmm. So that's the positive emotion. That's what we all want. Because remember, everything we want, we want it because we think it's going to make us feel a certain way. So really what we're after is flow and joy and love and significance. And sure, it's the big house and the vacation home and all the things, but really it's a feeling. And then everything we don't want, let's just imagine for the sake of argument, everything we don't want in the world is on this side of you, on the right side. And this is debt, rejection, and missed opportunity, and humiliation, and all the stuff you don't want. Okay. So what I have to help people see is that when we're using should, whether you like it or not, now it's about 95% of the time. Sometimes if you're using should, like, hey, Karen, you should grab that bottle of wine. Come on out here and join me. It has a very (laughs) different energy. So it's not so much the word as it is the energy behind it. So I would say, you know, very unscientifically based here, about 95% of the time we're using should in the way I'm about to describe. When we use should, you know, we should have this mapped out, you know, already. We should have avoided this downturn. We should have should, 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 we should be able to, we should, when we use the word should, what we're doing is we're facing to the right, mm-hmm. looking at all the stuff we don't want mm-hmm. and we're afraid of realizing it. So then what do we do? We're using should. And what should is, is a mechanism to push against what we don't want, push it away from mm-hmm. us. Now by pushing, which way am I moving? Mm-hmm. 
Mm, I'm moving to the left. I am moving in the direction of what I want. Mm. So in a weird way, it's somewhat effective Mm -hmm. because I'm moving in that direction. However, it comes at a cost Mm. because one, I'm pushing, which keeps me below neutral, which eats up my resources for creativity, ingenuity, imagination, and connection. And I'm only looking at the stuff I don't want. So it's not very creative. And so the, so what I have to teach folks or work with folks to do is recognize step one, you have to wake up to how you feel because how you feel is telling you, is there a should in play or not? And you can tell I should go to the gym. I want to go on a hike. I should, I want to feel good. So you can catch, oh, I'm, I'm feeling some resistance here, mm-hmm. whether there should there or not. And then the moment you catch it, you immediately pivot by saying, wait, no, 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 no. This isn't about what I want to avoid. What do I want to create? What do I want to feel? What do I want to live into? What do Mm -hmm. I want to see possible? What realities do I want to co-create with others? And it's literally a 180 pivot. And the Mm -hmm. moment you shift your focus from avoiding negative consequences and should to what do I want? In this pivot, what happens is you blow open your perceptual horizon. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, options, ideas, and possibilities immediately become visible. I mean, that is so true. That is so so right. Because you can't, you can't, they're always there. You just can't see them when you're back to them. (laughs) And so when you pivot, I mean, just here's a perfect example. This study came out in 2018. I think it came out of Harvard. And it was, I think it was from the philosophy department. And there was a study done on the word should, if you replace should for could, Mm. you will generate more moral insight and come up with more creative solutions. Now, the study doesn't talk about why in the way I'm presenting why, which I actually Mm -hmm. think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Nobody's dove into why. Mm -hmm. So this is my hypothesis as to why. (laughs) But in their case, they say it actually is proven that if you replace, we should do this to, we could do this Mm. and that pivot all of a sudden more possibilities, more creation. This is, and so this is what I call when we make this pivot, focus on what you want to feel. I could, I will, I want to, you know, I can't wait to, I must, I must, you know, that good feeling that's this right here is the path of least resistance to the path of most abundance. Oh, yeah. The path of least resistance to the path of most abundance or one in the same least. There's a, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. That is amazing. That is amazing. And I love, I love to say, okay, well, we shouldn't do this. Well, what should we do? <laughs> right. <laughs> or what could we do now? Yes. But what I, what I'm feeling though, is I love that you gave a reframe from should to could and from you, from Harvard, through you from Harvard. Thank you. Thank you. But that's really important because part of what can trip people up is really not knowing, okay, if this needs to change about me, then how am I changing it? And a little gem like this can create a huge shift in how you feel, in how you act, in what you do next. There, I really, I truly, my whole brand is like based on this small shifts, Mm. power of small can lead to something really, really big because that was, that was definitely the evidence in my life. And so even a very small replacement of a word can actually create more space in your mind and in your heart. That's absolutely beautiful. Oh, I am tickled. I, it, 
I love it. And, you know, I'll give you one more if this is fun. So here's the playful one. Yeah. Anytime you find yourself shooting, like we should, you know, we should do it. What should we do? Or we, we should do it this way. You know, it should have happened this way. You could just, just assert, you know, and ask according to what big book in the sky. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) According to what big book in the sky. And right there just blows open the false premise that we are holding ourselves hostage to these limiting, you know, very unconsciously held paradigms. Mm-hmm. The moment you just see it for what it is, so much becomes possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I love this. Okay. Well, speaking of expansion, as we start to wrap up, look ahead. And how do you envision expanding your impact in the future? Are there any exciting projects or initiatives that you're currently working on that we need to know because we want to know? <laughs> but this is such, this is such impactful work. So, so I am curious, how are you looking to expand the impact of your work? Mm, thank you. Well, I work with a lot of leaders, a lot of companies, and I absolutely love that. And, you know, whether it's coaching or workshops, I do talks. What I'm finding and where my heart is, mm-hmm. is doing a lot more, just a lot more motivational speaking. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was very young, I was so shy, Karen. Oh my gosh. I couldn't even ask our server for a napkin. I was Aww. just so debilitated, but it was interesting because it was in middle school. I was like, gosh, I really want to be a motivational speaker. And my parents thought I was crazy. Like what? You don't even, you can't even pick up the phone and make a reservation for a restaurant. And I'm like, oh uh, and that's really always been in my heart and that's, that's what I do. And so I'm, I'm really working to move more in that direction so that I, it, ultimately it's, I can reach more people because mm-hmm. I know, you know, as a coach, mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do. And then of course with a book, it helps, mm-hmm. but definitely mm-hmm. moving in the direction of working with bigger groups of people, because that's mm-hmm. where, that's where we can elevate mm-hmm. you know, the thinking and the vibration Absolutely. together, you know? Absolutely. I see that for you. I see that because this is a message that, you know, we need to talk about. You and I are part of this good army, Amy. And there's a lot to be done. There's a lot to be done. (laughs) And I do remember at some point feeling like, oh, well, if such and such is doing, I don't need to talk about this. And I finally realized, no, we are actually all a part of what I see right now as a healing movement because people are more open to their personal growth journey. Employers are more open to taking care of their people in in a very authentic way, as opposed to just checking off a, a box, right? And and also, I think because more individuals are more open to sharing their personal journey and the things that they're studying. I'm a student of life. I'm like, I will never stop learning. So I'm happy to share what I'm learning. Right? So oh, as I say, I individuals, I'm like me. Yes, <laughs> but but us. Us bringing these messages, these tools, these books, we will make sure that living on purpose is linked in our show notes, but all of these different resources, they're helping to create a beautiful shift in our world that is expansive. Yes. And so I'm very Mm. grateful that you paid attention to the calling, even though I know that was a tough transition, you felt it in your body. And by 
following that feeling, you are now helping so many, you are serving so many. And I know that is going to just continue to grow. So thank you so much, Amy, for the work that you are doing. And we are so excited for the work that you continue to do in the future. I'm honored. Thank you, Karen. That was beautiful. And right back at you, friend. (laughs) Right back at you. (laughs) We will make sure all of the information for Amy's resources, her book. And also, if you want to sign up to get those texts, we will make sure that is all linked in the show notes. Thanks so much for being here. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcasts.